Hi, Southside Sox fans. Thanks for tuning in. This is your cuddly writer, Year of the Hamster, here to introduce your new favorite dynamic podcast duo. Let's give a lame golf clap to the sassy pseudo-intellectual himself, managing editor Brett Ballantini. In our other corner, let's work up a rousing Chi-Town cheer to studly and super fly, man about town, Matthew Smith. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for that very endearing intro, Year of the Hamster. More so on my side, but I definitely appreciate that as the host of this podcast. And welcome back, Southside Sox fans. We're excited to have a second edition of our show here for you today. We'll have Brett Ballantini joining us again. And to recap what we talked about last time, we went over a little bit of a season preview for the Sox. And we got some good feedback from you guys. You were excited about the podcast, the direction that we are going in. And uh, feel free to keep giving us that feedback. I, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse here with social media, but feel free to tweet us or Facebook us. Both are at Southside Socks or uh, follow our Instagram account as well, which is Southside Socks SBN, SB Nation. We're excited to have you guys back. Um, this is our second edition, as I've said. And Brett comes back and gives us a little bit more insight into the first six games of the Sox season. Uh, it's a 3-3 three and three start for the White Sox. We would have hoped for better, but I, I think it beat most of our expectations. I'm happy with what I've seen so far, especially from the offensive side of the ball, which we touch upon a, a fair amount during this podcast. We go over some stats that we've seen from the White Sox to begin the season, including some historic stats, which... We would not have expected to hear at the beginning of the season that after six games, the White Sox would be on a historic offensive pace. Uh, so look out for Brett to talk about that throughout our podcast. And we also touch upon the pitching side as well. We know we've struggled a little bit um, on the other side of the ball. We've looked good offensively, but you got to play on both sides of the baseball to succeed in this league. And the White Sox haven't been pitching entirely well. I, we've seen a few good starts, especially from Ronaldo Lopez and Carson Fulmer also threw his hat in the ring and told people that he could be a, a potential starter on this rotation for the rest of the year. We even dip a little bit into the minor leagues, hearing about how some of our guys performed in their first game of the season. The the AAA, AA, and single A affiliates all got underway a little bit later than the White Sox, starting on Thursday, April 5th. So we only have one game to recap for you guys there, but we do have some exciting stats to bring, and we'll have more throughout the rest of the season. We're going to bring on one of our contributors, Darren Black, to talk about the White Sox uh, prospects in future episodes. Today, we just have Brett and I talking about the Sox, and let's get right into that. For the second week in a row, here's my conversation with the site manager of Southside Sox, Brett Ballantini. Brett, how are you doing? How was your uh, first week of White Sox baseball? Pretty good. I didn't have to sit through the home opener and the snow and the sleet and the wintry mix and the <laughs> wind and the, of course, painful ending. So I'm doing better than a lot of fans, a lot of Southside Sox members who did show up to the home opener. Yeah, hopefully things will clear up a little bit throughout the season. You know, Chicago weather is always unpredictable. You could get some snow in May even. Uh, so hopefully we'll see some, some more clean, sunny baseball uh, for time to come in the future. For today's podcast, we're going to go over a little bit of uh, the first week of what we saw and some of our ups and downs for the Sox and then go over a few stats and a few articles that we went over for the last couple weeks. So now that the Sox are 3-3, three and three, I, I don't know if that's where you expected them to be at this point after the first week. 
Uh, I personally thought that they would probably be maybe two and four, but three and three at 500. That's fine with me. What do you think about the, uh, the start to the season? Yeah. 500. They're playing a couple of the weaker AL teams. So you'd like to think you could uh, have taken three out of three there, but yeah, you got to be pleased. 500 at any point this season, uh, you got to be pretty pleased with. And Team Show has got a lot of fights. Only really been out of maybe one game for only actually a few innings towards the end. So the team does have a lot of fight. And that's inspiring. Do you think 500 is something we can uh, keep up for the rest of the year? <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> Wishfully, of course, that would be great. And, and is it crazy to think that this team could even nip at 80 wins? No, not at all, especially with the way the offense is producing. But realistically, I mean, these were three relatively weak teams they've started out. I know Toronto can really hit, but, you know, let's call them average, maybe slightly above. So uh, 500's great, but, you know, the fact that it could have been 4-2 so easily, uh, those are lost opportunities that if you think this team's going to be 500, you really need to take advantage of every opportunity you have. I'll definitely take 500. So if they can if they can stay there for the rest of the season, that'd make me happy. So you touched upon the hitting a little bit. Let's start with some highs. Uh, is the hitting part of your highs? What were you impressed for the Sox so far this year? We knew going into the season, based on what they'd done in the Cactus League, and of course that is fake baseball but it still counts for something and they were slugging well in cactus league their average was great they had a lot of offensive highlights it showed that this team had taken a bit of a turn offensively where even the adam angles of the world were actually stepping up and uh, powering the ball getting balls into the gap so i'm not surprised to see the team really just take off it helps to be hitting off of say kansas city royals (laughs) pitching and maybe a little toronto pitching and a tiny bit of detroit pitching but that said you still got to put the ball in play and i mean They've just had a devastating offense so far this season. And if nothing else, 500 or not, uh, 60 wins or not, this team is going to be fun to watch swing the bat. Exactly. I think I recently saw them, I think it was either ESPN or MLB, had them as one of the top three exciting teams to watch that may not make the playoffs. So even non-Sox fans, it's usually uh, weird to hear anyone really talk about the White Sox besides us. But people are excited to see them play, so that's that's cool that everybody's looking forward to the young prospects and they're doing well. I, I had some similar notes on my side, just talking about the well-rounded effort. You talked about Adam Engel stepping up, and it's not just Abreu and Garcia leading the charge right now. Davidson and Anderson are stepping up. Uh, Mankata is, once his hits start to fall, I saw that he was one of the top uh, exit velocity guys in the league right now in the article that you wrote earlier today. Um, so I'm going to have you touch upon that later, but hopefully those hits start to fall since his average is still in the 100s. And then Yolmer is uh, Yolmer Sanchez is arguably the hitting MVP right now. Uh, well-rounded effort, two uh, two triples, a double, and seven RBIs, just one behind Davidson for the team lead. So you, you definitely have to be happy with the well-rounded Sox effort because from past seasons we've just been leaning on Abreu and Garcia to get it done. And it's exciting to see all the the younger guys, especially the lower down the got lineup guys, getting it done. Yeah, you contrast last year's opening day lineup to this year's, and it's not just that there's some different names. You know, Saladino was in the lineup last year and some other guys, but it's the fact that the same names, say Matt Davison, for example, last year you'd you'd you know you'd throw your hands up in the air and not exactly be sure what to expect. Well, now he's put, you know, 20-something homers on the board, and he started out, obviously, still gangbusters. So for an opening day lineup, you just see where this team has come in a pretty short time. It's still a rebuilding situation, and it's pretty inspiring. 
Yeah, after Davidson's game one performance, he was immediately picked up in my fantasy league. I was pretty disappointed <laughs> to see that. Uh, I think he came in 50, owned in 15% of ESPN leagues, and now he's up to 80%. So people are on the Davidson bandwagon, and I guess three home runs will do that for you. But it's, it's exciting to see these young Sox doing well. So let's flip it around now. Uh, let's talk about one thing that you're concerned about seeing over the last week. I think it's, it's going to be a little bit obvious from your first opinions on our first podcast. Uh, what, what are you concerned about? Yeah, sure. We can't just keep talking about the offense. (laughs) Yeah. The, uh, you know, it's the pitching overall, of course. Uh, and, and the thing I neglected when we talked, uh, just last edition, uh, you know, when talking up the bullpen, of course, it's so related to the rotation that you're going to see the bullpen begin to crumble from that very first start where you've got to dip into the bullpen early. Unfortunately, the Sox starters haven't really been, we've been lucky to get them through five. Yeah. And, you know, that's going to have a trickle down effect to the bullpen, which I actually think is, is constituted pretty well and uh, actually it has have some good arms in it. But if the starting rotation is not going to be able to consistently get into the sixth and seventh inning, even a deep, the best bullpen is going to uh, struggle. And so the rotation is, it was a weak spot going in. We talked last, and it, nothing, unfortunately, other than a, a pretty decent start by Carson Fulmer, nothing has really impressed me enough to say that uh, this is going to keep this team from being that 90-plus loss team because there's just nobody to throw innings. Definitely. I, I was a little bit uh, disappointed with Giolito's performance. Ronaldo Lopez came up huge, and you mentioned Carson Fulmer looked good as well. The Yeah, the whole rotation pitching side of things, it's, it's easy to critique early on. Do you see anyone kind of picking it up as the, the next couple of weeks uh, go on? Is there anyone you're excited about? Well, you hope just overall with, with the weather hopefully picking up, guys maybe just getting some reps under them, that even the James Shields of the world can can just push us into that six. We're not expecting great innings. We're not expecting super efficiency. But just to be able to be efficient enough to not be pushing 100 pitches through you know, five and even six uh, is really what this team's going to need because then the bullpen is going to crumble. The team's going to have less chance to win games. And we as fans are going to continue to have heart attacks in late innings because <laughs> there's going to be these continuous collapses. And it, it seems going to be fun to watch, but it's going to be agonizing come seven, eight, nine. Mm-hmm. It's a frustrating situation just one week in. Yeah. Any good performance out of our bullpen or starters with this offense that we're seeing currently, I, I think that'll keep us competitive in games. If we can put six plus runs up on the board, as long as our starters are going five or six innings, keeping him to three or four runs, and then maybe Latin the bullpen to score a couple or to give up a couple. Hopefully the offense can keep us in games, which is, which is not a Sox argument I've heard in a while. Oh, and all you need to know is the fact that James Shield was in line to get his second win of the season. ERA is just a shade under six. And this guy was in position to get a second just because of the run support he's been getting in his two starts. Sounds like the Yankees there. High pitchers with high wow. ERAs and then just yep. the players getting it done at the plate. I'd love to see us uh, some Yankees status for the rest of the year. So we uh, we touched upon the bullpen and the the back of the rotation not being successful. Let's go back to the hitting side of things. Let's talk about the exciting Sox stuff that's going on right now. You just recently wrote an article about the actually historical start to the White Sox six-game stretch here. Uh, let's talk about that article. Well... You're exactly right. It is a historic stretch. And of course, when we say historic, that stretches all the way back to, oh, 2015, when StatCast really started to get uh, rolling. But uh, I think you alluded to the exit velocities that are uh, 
that the, the, the White Sox are uh, kicking out there. Uh, Jose Abreu is uh, number one through this, you know, let's just call it the first week of the season at uh, 98.2 miles an hour. And Moncada is third in the league at 97.8. And just generally, the entire team is knocking the stuffing out of the ball. And as we've already discussed, it's just not something we're used to seeing. And it's really, really inspiring. This is completely ignoring the fact that Matt Davison has had the best exit velocity, I think, in White Sox history. Wow. And has just, you know, knocked the uh, the heck out of the ball in the in those first uh, three homers in, in Kansas City. As I alluded to before, I hope uh, that exit velocity turns into some more hits for Mankata. Even though he's third in the league, he's still down at, I believe, 154 for his average. And we really haven't seen him get it done consistently in the MLB yet. Are you worried about Mankata, or do you think he's going to turn it around? Well, I'm not worried about him at all. I mean, of course, uh, you know, nobody is a, a you know, dead set lock, but... You know, the guy's got all the tools. He's shown it in spring training. He's shown it so far this season. Yeah, the average isn't there. Uh, you know, he's still got some plate discipline. He struck out to end the game, and people are up in arms <laughs> about that yesterday. Um, and, of course, you know, no one wants to you know take such a collar like that and, and not come through in the clutch. But he's a young guy. Uh, now, I'm you know, the short answer to your question is I'm 0% concerned with Yohan Mankata. Yeah, the walks are there, and that's something that's really important to me from watching Sox baseball in the past, seeing Tim Anderson and Matt Davidson have historically low walk numbers last year. It's nice to know that Mankata, even though he's he's a little bit low on average this year, he's going up there with a good eye and uh, willing to take pitches and work deep into counts, and I think that's important um, and something we haven't seen the Sox do in, in a few years. I love the name of your article as well. It was titled, Hey, the White Sox are mashing the crap out of the ball. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the entire thing, credit where it's due. Uh, uh, and again, I have a difficult name, so I may be uh, butchering his name. But that's something uh, coming from MBL, MLB.com's Mike Petriello. And uh, I just wrote that article piggybacking off of his incredibly inspiring article. And the one stat I'll throw at you, in addition to uh, the Jose Abreu and Yohan Mancada's individual work, is the fact that the Sox have a 51.7% hard hit wow. uh, of, of baseballs. And that is, it, it, Mike ran the numbers, and I believe he had more than, uh, in this relatively short sample of time from 2015 to now, but that's still uh, four, more than 14,000 different circumstances of, of these six-game blocks that we're talking about here. And that is second all-time in all of baseball history, dating back, of course, to 2015. So I know we're dealing with some real small sample sizes and we're just dealing with a little very small segment of baseball history but still given the fact that that's number two out of 14,000 you could not have written a better start to the season in terms of the way the White Sox are attacking the ball uh, what they're doing when they're making contact and another thing that Mike pointed out in his article is the fact that the White Sox aren't getting pitches to hit they're second to last in the league in terms of strikes that they're wow. seeing, and yet they're still doing this with those strikes. So their selection's been terrific. And this isn't something that we're used to experiencing with the White Sox. Matt Davison struck out 6,000 times <laughs> last year, and really the entire lineup struggled with that. Davidson's been taking walks. Tim Anderson's taking walks. This is a, I mean, this is really a sea change for this White Sox team. Again, a six-game sea change, but it's incredibly inspiring. It's going to make for an exciting season if they can come close to keeping this up. Even with the small sample size as well, they're, they're still comparing that to, say, the 2017 Astros or Yankees, any big stretches that they went on. And our six-game Sox are keeping up with that and being competitive. So 
as you said, if we can keep this up throughout the season, I already think they're an exciting team to watch, but this just adds to it because we weren't entirely expecting this from the offense, even though, as you mentioned, they, they hit the crap out of the ball in spring training. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just very excited to see them play. And I've been excited for the baseball I've been watching so far. You know, to throw one more stat out there, you know, uh, uh, Petriello says that, uh, you know, has pointed out that the White Sox are leading the league in slugging percentage. Okay, they're at, uh, let's see, it's 538. Only uh, 40 seasons, let's see, 40 seasons since 1908 have teams had a higher slugging percentage than that. That's 40 seasons, talking about individual Mm -hmm. team seasons, out of more than 2,300. Okay, so that's a great start. Now, if you want to really start dreaming... He further illustrates that 65% of those teams with that type of slugging percentage, the way where the White mm-hmm. Sox are right now, finished with winning records. Ten of them went to the World Series. So I did some real quick math and said that basically Mike Petriello is saying the White Sox have a 25% chance this season of making it to the World Series. So I love it. I want him to keep writing articles if like that. If you told me that before the start of the season, I, I would have <laughs> I would have taken that over anything. 25% chance of the World Series. Let's go Sox. <laughs> yeah, it's about 25% more than we thought. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, Base or ESPN's uh, stats said that they put the White Sox at a 0.1% chance of even making the playoffs to start the season. So 25% at the World Series. Hallelujah. I love it. Yeah. A nice jump for uh, six games. Huh? <laughs> so you've been, you've been stat guy so far, giving us a ton to talk about. Let's uh, go into a new segment I have here called, I don't even know what I'm going to call it. Uh, I just <laughs> have the fun stat recap in my notes here. So just some fun stats over the first week of the season. I'll get your opinions on some of these. So first, uh, I saw your term Mankata Mopers, and I like that. So I'm going to continue with that here. Uh, We've touched upon him a little bit in his struggles. He started off 154 in the first week of the season, but he has the most walks on the team, which is something the Sox have struggled to do for the last few years. And we talked about his third highest exit velocity average at 97.8 miles per hour. What do you expect to see from Mankata over the next couple series? Do you think he'll uh, get that average up over the 200 mark? Of course. We're going to see him continue to mash the ball. Let's not forget that he was like, uh, what, an inch away from a grand slam the other day. Uh, you know, so of course with this small sample size, things could swing incredibly. And, and that one grand slam would change everything. His numbers would look so much better. The backwards baseball card would be primo instead of us <laughs> wringing our hands about it. So I see him just basically doing what he's doing, which is, you know, continuing to mash the ball play well enough in the field, use his speed as a weapon, and uh, continue to attack the leadoff spot in the order, which is maybe the most inspiring thing about him, the fact that he's ring- he's rubbing his hands together saying, I want to get out there, I want to be the first yep. guy up, I want to get as many at-bats as I can this season. So yeah, we can get excited about these early stats, but also not get disappointed about some of the bad ones. So I'm glad you're still on the Mankata bandwagon. I'm, I'm a little skeptical, a little nervous, just because of his... Uh, 220 average last year and then when he was up with the Sox in his first year for a little bit uh, or up with the Red Sox in his first year uh, he struggled there as well so I'm, I'm waiting for him to get that average up into the upper 200s and I hope he can do it I think he can um, I'm just excited to see how he'll perform over the next couple of weeks so switching over to a guy that's been very exciting uh, Yomer Sanchez he's one RBI behind the surging Matt Davidson with seven RBIs so far and he's batting 400 what are your opinions on Yolmer? Can he be a, a piece in this White Sox roster for the future? I, I know a lot of people consider him perhaps a backup, a great utility guy. Do you think he could maybe earn himself a starting spot? I think he's heard that his whole career, and when given the chance to win the third base job, 
this year. I don't think he basically made it his job pretty much the first game out. So uh, he's a guy who obviously wants to seize being a regular in the majors. And why not then push it to being a, a minor star or even a, a star in this league? You know, he's got gap power. We saw him clock that ridiculous home run in Toronto, so he's got power. He gets the ball into the gaps. He's got the speed to turn what might be a double into a triple. We saw him hit the two triples uh, just yesterday for the home opener, which I think hadn't been done since Pat Kelly in 1972. Wow. So, uh, you know, he's getting himself into the record book a little bit. Um, he's a fun guy to watch. Very fun. You know he's a great guy in the clubhouse, so he's bringing not only great performance in the field, but, you know, He's a guy who can really be looked to on this team as a leader. So I love what I've seen from him. Not necessarily expected, but uh, just a really terrific start for him. I've seen Tim Anderson joking around with him on Instagram. He's definitely a huge uh, player in the locker room. Very exciting person to be around. And uh, he's playing well on the field as well. And I think he's kind of a scrappy player overall. He's really uh, working on the base paths and hitting as well. So he, he wants to put himself in that future conversation as one of the White Sox that's going to be on the 2019-2020 roster. I just talked about Tim. Let's go back into him. He has four stolen bases to start the season, which is very exciting to see. And more importantly, most importantly, he has three walks to start the season, which is more than he had in the entire month of April in 2017. What have you liked from Tim so far? Well, there's been, a, I think, at least a couple situations so far where he's basically just manufactured a run whether maybe a walk or a single to get on stealing second there was the one time where then he stole third and uh just yesterday in the home opener he got knocked over by uh uh, uh uh to get to third and then scored on that ridiculously short sacrifice fly but essentially twice already in these games he's basically taken a uh one base walk or single and turned it into a run with his speed but more than that, it's and of course it's his efficiency. You pointed out he hasn't been caught in his career. He's he's well past ninety percent in terms of a stolen base efficiency. But it's also the fact he's got bravado about it. I mean, you know, listen, I'm not necessarily going to get behind a guy who immediately after the game gets on uh, Twitter to throw a tweet out and say, hey, you know, you can't catch me. But listen, I love the fact that he knows he's got speed. He knows to to date he's a great base dealer, and you know he's almost going to basically. <laughs> challenge guys to uh, to get him out and he's gonna say you're not gonna get me out his speed is remarkable uh it's a truly truly devastating tool and if even the other elements of the game can be average with that speed getting on base at all uh he's a killer even weapon. if the stolen base numbers aren't crazy high just as you mentioned before scoring on sacrifice flies or just getting that extra base is huge and factors into statistics like your war I'm looking forward to see Tim on the bases, whether he's he might not be up there in the league lead in stolen bases in total, but I think his overall baseball IQ on the base paths is something to be reckoned with, and I'm excited to see him continue that for the rest of the year. If he gets on base the way he's doing, if he can keep his average up the way he's doing, he is going to be in a position to be a stolen base leader because he's going to get a ton of chances. True. Until people start cutting him down, he's not going to get any sort of red light. So uh, he might be a guy who can uh, push way past what he's set as maybe a 25 or 30 expectation. He could be pushing 50, gets on base uh, significantly more than we anticipate. Speaking of keeping your average up, there have been a few uh, Avasile Garcia dissers out there saying that He's not going to keep up his production from last year, but look at him right now. It's only been six games. We, we've said that a fair amount of times this year, but he's at 333. Do you think that he could stay in that 330 range throughout the rest of the season where he finished off last year, or at least in the high 300s, or not the high 300s, but the, the low 300s? 
Yeah, I mean, he's even pushed his career average. I mean, obviously, he had such a phenomenal season last year. I think when I took the last look, his career average was pushing, I think it was nipping at 280, oh, wow. which is nothing to uh, shake your head at. So, I mean, and that's his career, and that's considering he's had some really tough stretches. I, th- I think he's figured it out enough to become, if you want to consider 280 a high average, you know, a high average guy, Definitely. a guy you can count on there. And, you know, again, he's got the gap power. He's, he, does, he didn't put up a ton of homers last year, but he's a guy who's clutch enough. He gives you enough. Now, I don't know if that translates into him getting some sort of like, uh, you know, nine-figure contract or anything like that. But, um, you know, he's a guy who contributes to, uh, he continues to contribute to winning baseball. And I think that's all we're looking for from him. He doesn't have to carry the team, but uh, he's a guy who, who I think can carry the team. And, and really so far, six games in, he's not even the guy who comes to your lips. He hasn't done yeah. anything phenomenal aside from the fact he's hit the longest homer of the season up there in Toronto. But aside from that, you know, I mean, he's been a guy who's just pretty much lunch paled it, uh, uh, lunch paled his way to a three thirty three average, and we'll take that every day of the week. Is he still a favorite to be the White Sox All Star representative, or do you have someone else in mind? Well, you know, I considered uh, Mankata to be the potential offensive MVP. I, you know, I it could. I just don't see how you're going to get somebody from the pitching staff. And, the, and you know, there's sort of that, uh, I guess you could say again, that recency bias of, hey, he was the last All-Star. I mean, uh, off the top of my head, I have to think either him or, or, or Jose get there just because they're sort of the familiar, quote-unquote, stars on the team. So I think you'd go there. But, uh, you know, he's not doing anything to play his way off an All-Star team right now. True, especially at the weak um group at first base right now i'd say abreu is definitely up there for the american league uh the national league of course has a great batch of first basemen but if abreu could be our representative or garcia or maybe both i I would be happy with that to see a couple socks in the all-star game hoping at least um hopefully we see at least two um but yeah let's let's jump to the farm here I have some important stats coming in from there. It's only been one game. I think uh, they started April 5th, it was. So we have uh, an exciting group down on the farm, starting in Birmingham. We had Zach Collins. Didn't get a hit in his first game. He was 0 for 2, but he drew three walks, uh, which is something that we've seen from him for a while. What do you think you're going to see from his bat in the minor leagues this year? I know he's been a low average guy so far. His OBP has been up there. Do you think we're going to get more power out of him, a little more average this season? Uh, what's your opinion on Zach Collins? Yeah, I mean, I, I, he he has been a mixed bag offensively. He's got the great eye, so I think he's always going to have a decent on base. He does flash some power. Uh, I don't have his ISO stat in front of me to really back that up, so I might be a, a flying blind here. <laughs> but, yeah, I would like to see him be able to get I mean, we're still talking about a pretty low level. I mean, Birmingham, double A, but prior to that, even at a low level, he was really struggling for any sort of average. I just don't want to see one of my top 10 prospects struggling, you know, just above 200, let's say, in A ball. So I definitely hope he can, uh, you know, really pick up the pick up, uh, you know, some more safe hits, not just everything over the fence or a walk. Uh, we do need to see more from him just in terms of, of an average. I mean, I guess the good news for, for us as Sox fans is he's got his main competition at Sevi Zavala right there playing with him. Yep. One's DH in one game, the other's catching the game. And, you know, those two guys presumably are going to just keep pushing each other and may the best man win. Competition really fuels the best in people. From being a college athlete myself, I know putting people into position or position battles 
really uh, puts you to the fullest of your potential. You want to go out there and you want to be the best every day. Obviously, you want the other guy to succeed as well, which I'd love to see from these young Sox is they're not competing against each other, but a lot more competing alongside of each other, uh, pushing each other to be better, which is which is huge for the future of the team. We, we want these guys to be working together because they're going to be playing on the same team if they all make it to the MLB at one point. So we definitely don't want them kind of getting angry competing at each other but we also want them to be competing in in a friendly um push pushing forward way moving down to winston-salem we have our top five guys in the lineup they're all Sox top 25 prospects and they all recorded a hit it was luis basabe blake rutherford alex call sheets and as well as uh micker adolfo so they all recorded a hit uh, any of those guys you like specifically, uh, whether it's a Blake Rutherford or an Alex Call, Luis Basabe, anyone you see down in Winston-Salem that you're excited about? Well, I'm rooting for Rutherford because he seems to have scuffled a bit and, and it seems to be this guy who's gotten this uh, five-tool uh, label and really hasn't been able to to drive the ball too well. And I think maybe the pressure to do that is sort of uh, seeping into other aspects of the game. So I'm certainly rooting for him to have a good season. Basabe is a guy, Luis Basabe, who I've sort of liked from the start, from the, just from reading up on him when, he got him when we got him from Boston. And uh, I know last year in the minors, he sort of had a step back season and didn't really advance the way we wanted to see. But in spring training, I thought he really uh, opened some eyes with uh, with his defensive ability, with some of his uh, baseball smarts uh, and some of his hitting ability. So uh, he's a guy, you know, he seems to sort of fall. I mean, in terms of regard, you're going to have to look at uh, Luis Robert and Blake Rutherford before you're really regarding Basabe, but uh, I like his potential as well, and I would love to have a third piece of that Chris Sale trade uh, become a, a guy who can uh, contribute at the major league level as well. I don't know if you saw the stats from the Winston-Salem game, but the two guys you picked there, Rutherford and uh, Basabe, were the two guys that got two extra base hits. So great call on your part there. They all they all grabbed one hit, but uh, those two were able to get two. And I agree. I'm excited to see Blake Rutherford play this year. I know a lot of people uh, didn't write him off, but they were upset with his end to 2017 once he came over uh, from the Yankees. And I'm excited to see what he could do for his first full year in a Sox uniform. I, I know it's probably definitely tough to come into a new team, a new environment, and have to adjust to that. So I'm glad he probably got to meet some guys and uh, get more comfortable with the minor league system over the offseason and then into spring training. And it seems to be paying off. I mean, it's just one game. We've talked about six games for the Sox, now one game for the minor leagues. We're getting excited about uh, a little small sample size here, but I'm excited to, to see what Blake can do this year. Do you have anything to touch else to touch upon with either the minor league system or uh, even going back to the Sox? Hey, it was just inspiring to see the Miners. I think they took three or four yesterday, some close games. Really, the one they lost was sort of just a, a collapse in the ninth. So, you know, you can say all of these games are meaningless, and the only thing that matters is in the major leagues. And, uh, you know, in a rebuilding year, that doesn't even matter. We just want to lose, lose, lose. But, hey, it's great to see wins. Uh, it's great to see these guys, you know, learning to win. I know that's the kind of thing that we can laugh off in a sabermetric age, but I'd rather have – uh, numbers that are large in the left-hand side of the column than the right-hand side. So I'll take three out of four wins in uh, opening day. A win anywhere counts in my book. And I'm excited to see some of the young prospects start to get uh, some more time that were injured, whether it's Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, and we haven't seen Kopech pitch yet. He's not injured, but um, I'm excited to see some of the top prospects get going as well as the minor league season starts up. Do you have anything you want to touch upon before we end our podcast today, our episode one 
Well, let's give a brief shout out to Dane Dunning, who had a great start in that game I alluded to that sort of got lost in the ninth inning. But uh, we're expecting him to quickly get up to uh, to advance uh, a new level. And in fact, it's a little surprising that he started where he did. But he had a great five inning start. Uh, I think eight strikeouts uh, in the uh, yeah. opening day game, and uh, he's a guy who deserved to win. And I think we're going to see him moved up pretty quickly. Yeah, I'd love to see Dane Dunning get it done. I think I mentioned he was one of my sleeper prospects. I know he's not too big of a sleeper because he's still in the top 100, but he's not one of the the Kopech Jimenez that you're hearing about every day. So I, I'm excited to see him in the rotation at some point soon. Thank you guys for tuning in to episode one of the Southside Sox podcast. We are now found on the Google Play and Apple uh, Music Store, so feel free to listen to us on whatever device you'd like. We are looking forward to getting on to a few other podcast submission sites, so let us know what your favorite place to listen is, and we will definitely cater to that interest. And also, as always, reach out to us on social media if you'd like to hear anything on the podcast specifically, or if you liked or didn't like anything you heard today. So thank you guys again for tuning in, and we're looking forward to speaking with you again next week.